Coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for another episode of Tech Talk with your host, Joey Klein. Good afternoon and welcome. So, as always, try and think that we have some of the more interesting companies in the Atlanta area on this show. We try and stay away from, you know, your standard, uh, you know, 20th marketing automation firm. And these two companies that we're going to have today, I think, are doing something really unique within both their sectors. So, first, we're going to talk to Zoe Newman, who's the Managing Director of the U.S. at Capital on Tap. Hi, Jerry. Hello. And then we are going to chat with John Larisha, who's the CEO and co-founder of Welcome Home Software. Hey, Joey. Thanks for having me. Sure. So we have two seemingly disparate industries that we're going to discuss today, you know, at a high level, financial services with Capital on Tap as well, and then senior living and, and that space and the growing need for CRM in that space with John. So as always, we're going to start with the first company in the alphabet, which would be Capital on Tap. Zoe, that would be you. Yes. So you have you have only worked at Capital on Tap. I have, yeah. I, uh, I graduated from university 10 years ago. And first, first job out of uni, I met co-founder David Luck um, and the team. When we were just getting started, there was less than 10 people in the office. Um, and I joined as customer service, jumped right into it. Um, helped kind of figure out what our products, what our um, our market segment we were going to go after was going to be, um, and then yeah, been been working and building and, and supporting the team at Cap on Tap ever since. Okay, so I think that when when someone thinks of uh, the standard professional story of a millennial, which is obviously a very wide range of ages, they think of someone who jumps from job to job, maybe doesn't have too much company loyalty. I think there's a number of things wrong with that for certain reasons. However, you are seem to be the epitome against that. So were you specifically looking for something entrepreneurial when you graduated or just happenstance? It's, hey, here's the opportunity. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it was definitely the latter. So yeah, yeah didn't really know what I was getting into in 2012, even the, the term tech fintech didn't kind of really exist it definitely didn't exist for me um and yeah a lot of friends at the time were just jumping into grad programs uh, management consulting uh, banking and i yeah wasn't sure what i wanted to do um and yeah just stumbled over the opportunity um and and met a great team and and that's really the thing that's kept me with capital on tap ever since is is working with the, yeah, the amazing people we have on the on the team, and your your comment there on jumping job to job. I feel like I've kind of done that, but at the same employer, the same company. So I've I've yeah. had the opportunity to do a lot of different things during my time at Capital and Tap, which is the the main reason I've stayed. I've I've, I've been interested and been challenged, and and those opportunities has, has definitely kept me kept me here. Okay, let's for anyone who is going to shut this off. Although you shouldn't, you need to keep listening. But for anyone who just wants the high level, let's talk about what Capital on Tap does, so everyone gets an idea from the outset. Sure. So we are a small business credit card. Um, we are purely focused on supporting local mom and pop shops, retailers, construction companies, the the kind of high street small businesses that kind of are running our our economy in in the UK and and the US or our current markets that we're that we're live in. 
um, kind of mission is to make that as streamlined, easy, simple as possible, um, provide a great payment solution, a great product and service that is built just for SMBs. And so what, what is the model now? Are people just maxing out their credit cards, getting as many as they can? Um, I think there's, there's, it's interesting actually, the, the markets, the UK versus the US has, has definitely been a learning curve for us to kind of see the difference in competition and, and difference in, in credit usage over here compared to the UK. Um, but I think it's really small businesses trying to find the, the, the credit card provider that best works for them and, and is kind of building a product that is, is kind of specialized and, and bespoke for what their needs are. So, if if you can provide the best product in terms of integrations to QuickBooks or the best employee cards that have the right restrictions and right management tools, those are what is is kind of those pain points that small businesses face. That that is what we're trying to build to to make their lives easier. Is this something that a Visa or a Mastercard or American Express either doesn't want to do, or just or has ignored, or simply just? can't do because um you know they're just too focused on on other types of businesses and customers why yeah. does why does it take someone else to come in and do this yeah so i i think um our, our cards are actually issued by visa okay. um and so kind of the the card issuing platform behind the the banks is the visa or the mastercard or amex um in terms of our competition it's the the american express the capital one the chase um business cards that are out there um, but what we've seen historically is that those banks are actually servicing a lot of different people with a lot of different products. Um, and actually that focus and providing the, the perfect small business credit card is, is what we really want to do. And we're, we're here to build it and listen and get that feedback from our, from our customers to, to evolve and to kind of adapt quickly to what they're, they're looking for. Okay, so, so it's the specialization. It's the kind of focusing on one lane and really being the best at that that is, seems to be what differentiates. Exactly, yep. Okay, so you moved to the United States and specifically Atlanta six months ago? Yep, just over, yep, okay. February. Had you ever been to Atlanta before? I'd been a few times the previous year, so I actually really struggled to get over here initially because of COVID, and yeah. they weren't letting anyone in from Europe for for a while. Um, but yeah, spent um, kind of a, a week per month here for uh, the last few months of the the year, and and yeah, got adjusted and was like, oh, I could I could move out here. This will be fun. <laughs> and how slash why was Atlanta chosen as the uh, United States? place to plant a plague. Yeah, I, I actually was speaking to, uh, yes. to a, a company about this this morning. I think the, the three big reasons for us, um, one was kind of our HQ is London. So um, time zones is, is, a, is a real real challenge. Um, kind of us jumping online in the morning and UK being halfway through their day, that's tough if you're in West Coast, California. Sure. Makes it really tricky. Um, second, our CEO is originally from Atlanta um, and our COO, um, he, he also is as well, and he's moved out over here kind of a year ago or so. Um, so kind of the connection was, was strong. Um, and then the third piece has been kind of talent, um, having some great universities here, a great pool of talent for us to, to kind of dip into. Um, and yeah, just a, a great space in terms of entrepreneurial fintechs kind of seem to be sort of popping up here more than, uh, more than a lot of other areas. And, and so, yeah, really kind of saw a huge opportunity from, from moving over here. Yeah, it does sort of seem to be the, the nexus of that industry. Yeah. Um, what, what have you noticed, again, it hasn't been that long, but just since you've been here, what have you noticed that you think that we as a city are doing 
a very good job of as it relates to growing technology companies, providing the right talent? And where do you think there's a little bit of room for improvement? Yeah, I think the um, university pool of talent is is definitely a huge opportunity. I've seen some really interesting um, kind of other organizations, particularly in the fintech space, Fintech Atlanta, the team there, and uh, some other kind of fintech connections with the universities is, is really great and pushing people to be aware of it. I, when, as I said, I came out of university and didn't know what fintech meant. So that the fact that there's a lot more kind of vocal involvement, the community around that, I think there's a, a huge opportunity there. Um in terms of what to do more of, um, I guess just continuing to push that out and, and to kind of... One of the things I suppose that I've seen a little bit in the US compared to the UK is there seems to be kind of graduates come out of, of university and they have a, a kind of connection to big names, big banks, big insurance companies, Home Depot here, Delta here. And it's kind of how, how can this sort of startup opportunity be publicized a little bit more, right? So in, in, in London particularly, mm-hmm. it's kind of, okay, great, go work at a startup, a tech company. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a gamble, but it's going to be more fun and you can kind of make it more of an impression and more of a, have, have more responsibility in that role. And so I think kind of continuing to push that um, in, in Atlanta would, would definitely be a good thing. I wonder if that, so I guess I'm, I'm trying to think to myself, what does that have to do with, right? You know, I understand that for someone starting their career, okay, there is, it's already scary, right? Mm-hmm. Entering a totally unknown company um, where maybe you're sacrificing um, pay for equity. You have no idea what it's going to be worth. That could be scary as well. Yep. You know, I'm curious. I, I imagine that, um, you know, the UK probably has a much more uh, generous um, public university, system, public university mm-hmm. system than we do. Um, you know, this is just a sort of us pontificating on the spot. I wonder if this has a little bit to do with, well, you have people here who probably have a little bit more debt coming out, totally. have to really bank on that sure thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, do, you, do you think that it's an Atlanta thing specifically that you saw where people are maybe kind of going to big names more, or is this a U.S. thing? Um, I, I don't have a, a solid answer on that. It's just just been my experience um, in Atlanta so far and just kind of meeting some kind of recent grads or, or young people just kind of stepping in, into their career on the career ladder, just, just kind of anecdotally what I've heard. And yeah, totally, I, I agree, kind of having a massive student loan and a debt, okay, it's a safe bet to go to a grad program where you're going yeah. straight onto a good good salary. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's the opportunity to learn faster, be exposed to more um, and to really get thrown into something, you, you're going to learn fast and learn on the job if you're jumping into a small company that, as you say, could 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 pay off and, and could work out really well. But but for me, is is definitely worth the uh, worth worth the gamble. I think. I look. I would I would agree. I've you know until recently, I've really only worked at small companies, and the fun is that you know it's just it's always different. You get to see everything. Um, I think for someone that gets bored easily, it's. Uh, quite useful slash mm-hmm. necessary. Um, okay, so you've been here for six months and what is the charge um, for growth in the US? Is this simply, look, we're very popular in the UK, we really need you to come over and just scale this across North America? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, exactly. Yeah, we saw um, some amazing traction in the UK with our products, um, small businesses across the UK. We've got kind of over 120,000 small businesses we've supported there um, and had had built that technology and that foundation and realized it was possible to kind of bring that over to a new market, take that sort of version one 
in really a copy and paste format and then iterating it to the market. And so adjusting our credit underwriting, adjusting the product and tweaking some of the communications um, and yeah, just seeing a, a, a really big market opportunity where there's a ton of small businesses here that, we, that we're really keen to support. What is the sales and marketing process like? Because we're talking about, I mean, these could be, you know, five to 10 person companies, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them even less than that. A floral shop, a bar, you know? I mean, really the... We're not talking about the big chains. We really are talking about the one and off, one off mom and pops. Yep. Um, that would seem to be quite a wide market. Mm-hmm. That would also seem to be quite a um, quite a challenge in terms of focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think um, our marketing strategy has been really kind of a combination of online marketing. So looking at affiliates like a uh, Credit Karma, Nerd Wallet, sort of the traditional platforms that you go to if you're looking for a credit card um we look at some kind of social pieces so we've had some good traction on on facebook youtube um advertising on there um and then we also do some direct mail so kind of reaching out to to small business owners directly one of the challenges we found is over the above the line marketing so kind of posting on tv ads or um kind of doing billboards where it's quite expensive and it's not so targeted. Really, the market we're, we're kind of going after is those small businesses rather than kind of broader consumers. So, um, yeah, really trying to focus in and use the technology and availability that we've got with online marketing to kind of focus in on that segment. Um, and the same with kind of our data analytics team. We have a, a, an amazing team that kind of help us find the right small businesses to send out those letters to mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of... means that we have the the businesses that are most likely to respond to us and and to get approved. So those, those, basically those two channels are are really our focus at the moment. And and is is much of the customer base, at least as far as the US goes, in Georgia, the Southeast? Is it all over? How does the geographic focus break down? Yeah, so we're we're all over. We're not not kind of focused in any particular geography. Um, We've got customers in Hawaii. We've got customers in Alaska and New York, across the whole of the states. Um, One of the um, interesting things I think that's come out of our launch in Atlanta is we have done a bit more PR than we previously done in the UK or had had done before, Um, just based on kind of launching in the city, kind of employing and and building our team out here um, and getting our, our kind of office space set up. And so we've actually seen quite a lot of traction in the Atlanta area, mm. seen a lot of entrepreneurial kind of small business community here. That's um, something that I've been trying to get involved in. Just some really interesting events and um, entrepreneurial focused kind of networking opportunities that I think has kind of driven quite a lot of traction here as well. Okay, that that makes sense. And our, look, obviously, this is very early on into your tenure here, and it's important to scale up. I'm curious if there are other ancillary financial products that you guys are thinking of rolling out in the future um you know what in addition to just simply blanketing the marketplace with marketplace with as much coverage as you can what else is on the horizon yeah so for us we've still got work to do to get our our business credit card to the best it can be we've still got more opportunities connecting in with quickbooks with card management virtual cards kind of all of those those features that we really want to deliver to our customers um we have been looking into kind of general b2b payments so um i hadn't used a checkbook in 20 years until i arrived in america and so i think there's still some opportunity that the u.s has in terms of um, businesses paying their suppliers, um, making those payment solutions more streamlined. So that's something we're, we're definitely looking into and, and kind of sh- probably the next um, opportunity that we that we see. 
Um, and then obviously kind of considering other markets, geographies is, is the other approach. Um, is the way we look at it is either we keep really focused on our one product and look at new markets or we start to kind of drill in on our two markets we're in now and, and look at those other other product opportunities. Sure. So um, let's. I want to switch to kind of you and your um, your leadership style, the culture you're trying to build, because you're in a very unique position in that you have this team here in Atlanta, and you are all part of a larger company. But you're also kind of your. I recognize that you know for you know business licensing reasons, you're not your own entity, right? But it's like you know you sort of are just based, you know. You are geographically separate. It probably feels like you're sort of a team within a team, mm-hmm. and you're kind of the CEO of the team. And so you function as both, I imagine, an executive leader of the company and also kind of a CEO of his business unit. Um, how, how does it work? What are you trying to build here? What are you trying to foster in the community and, uh, and the people? Sure. So I think one of the best... Um Traits, features of, of Capital on Tap in the UK has been the culture that we've built and the team that we've built. As I said, I've, I've stuck it out for 10 years. If I didn't like the people I was working with, I probably would have left a lot sooner. Um, so yeah, keen to kind of replicate that, that great culture that we've built in the UK um, and, and trying to kind of take any of those really positive kind of traits that we've got and, and replicating those over in the US. So as an example, I think one of the, the reasons I've been so engaged and, and kind of felt like I've been invested in and, and developed through my career at Capital on Tap has been opportunities, autonomy, um, being given kind of those projects to, to run with and, and kind of the get, being able to take that on my own and, and just figure it out. Um, and so that's definitely something we're, we're trying to replicate here. So finding great talent, um, really ambitious people who want to make their mark and have the opportunity to do that and, and kind of have that autonomy to to kind of prosper, to succeed and, and to make their mark on the company. And as I said earlier, the opportunity to do that with a small business means you really can be, okay, I want to fix this. I've got this idea. I want to run with it. Can I just go? And, and that's, that's something we really want to foster and um, give, give people that, that chance, that opportunity to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine it's you are not just hiring for a certain set of skills. You are hiring for a mindset mm-hmm. as well. Someone yep. that you can trust and who wants to be autonomous. Yep, absolutely. And, and a lot of our team, our core founding team in the UK, none of us came from banks. We were all generalists. We all had kind of that experience in there's a problem, we want to fix it, we want to solve it in the best possible way and the, the best experience for our customers. Um, and, and similarly, in the US, obviously, we've, we've got our fraud experts, our fin crime, those kind of core um, skills that we need to run a financial product. But outside of that, it's... It's kind of ambitious, smart generalists that, that really want to kind of make a mark and get stuck in. Yeah. And I assume you are hiring? Yes. What? Always looking for great people. Yeah. Okay. And what, what kind of positions? So we are actually uh, right now hiring for a head of credit, a head of growth, um, and some a lead analyst, data analyst that, as I said, a lot of our marketing, a lot of our approaches are all super data-driven um, our businesses run on run on data, really. So, kind of looking for more smart people in that area as well. Okay. Well, everyone out there, if you're a great candidate looking for an exciting new opportunity, or if you are a small business, CapitalOnTap.com. I'm assuming. Is, yes, yes, that's the one. Capital with an A, everyone, not an O. Uh, okay. Well, Zoe, thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate okay. it. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Hey, John. Hey there.
I should have renamed my company. I don't want to follow Zoe. I don't know how I'm going to top that. Uh, well, you know. I'll, I'll muddle along. I think you'll be fine. So, senior living. Senior living. Yeah. So you, you've you got, I, I, I like both your stories. They're, they're very unique separately. You have Zoe who's, you know, just kind of grown with the, the same firm and has a lot of loyalty to this place. And you've got you that has made the jump from the big bad corporate world into the fun startup world. Is that your way of saying I'm old? No. Yeah. You, you could have been in the big bad corporate world for two years and then jump. We true. don't know how old you are. That is true. Yeah. Okay. So, so headline, let's talk about welcome home. Sure. Executive summary. What yeah, do you do? no. So the executive summary is yeah. we are a technology company focused on helping senior living operators perform the sales functions more efficiently and effectively. That is the uh, the summary. Um, you know, senior living operations are something that are hidden in plain sight. You'll, you'll now start looking around and start noticing them. There's a million seniors that live in residential care. It is. In enormous business within the United States, almost $60 billion, a million seniors living in these types of communities. And it's an incredibly complicated sales process. It's complicated from a logistic standpoint. It's complicated from the emotional standpoint that families are going through. And at the center of it all is a salesperson that's well-meaning and extroverted, uh, but not always well supported, and we're here to support that person both with the technology in the form of the CRM, but also with our entire team. Traditionally, are I imagine it's probably not necessarily even the actual resident that is looking. It's typically maybe an adult child. Could yeah, be, it could be a spouse, I suppose. Yeah, so it, it, it breaks down about a, a third of the time. It is the senior themselves that are initiating it. A third, it's a family decision. And a third of the time, it's entirely driven by the family. Um, So you have an independent living, which is almost college on steroids. And it's driven by the senior. They sit there, and whether they're 65 or 85, they're still spry and and lively and and fully independent. And they just don't want to live in their home anymore. They don't want to care for the yard. They don't want to care for the neighbors. Yeah. They don't want to care for the, the kids that are, that are running through their backyard. And they downsize, and they get to go into independent living, and everything is taken care of. There's amenities. There's people driving them. There's food that's being served. The bar is always open. Um, and so that's, that's a third of the instances. Okay. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, unfortunately, you have a lot of seniors that are battling dementia, and they can't drive the process legally. Uh, and so the family has to take over. And a third of the time, it's somewhere in between where mom, typically mom, is yeah. starting to struggle with activities of daily living. She is coming to appreciate that. The burden is being borne by the family, and they all collectively come to the decision to, to find an alternative way of living. And so our most inquiries, well, again, whether it is sole family, yep. sole um, uh, elder, elderly resident, or a combination, are most of the inquiries that these centers get from some from the outside, or is there a lot of outbound push that a salesperson is doing? Yeah, I mean, what, 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 is the, what is the pitch process yeah, there? Yeah, it has shifted dramatically yeah. since the pandemic. Um, so before the pandemic, it was an equal mix where the sales director was calling on hospital discharge planner Mm. or senior centers or synagogues and making themselves known to establish that footprint and that relationship early. When the pandemic hit, 
you couldn't do that anymore. And the need was still there. And so we're now seeing upwards to 80% is inbound. It's everyone is starting every search yeah. online, whether you're buying a car or a house or now senior living. And so they will go on some digital platform, start researching, and then do an inbound. It's slowly getting back to normal. Um, but I think that the kink is and the, the kink of the curve is more systemic and structural. Mm. Okay, so I, w- I want to talk about the ins and outs of the, the product and the sure. experience, but let's let's move back for a little while, okay? Mm-hmm. So you come from the consulting world, I believe. I do. And had you worked on in this industry, how did you identify and get passionate about this problem? Yeah, so I spent 20 years in management consulting at uh, a place called Bain & Company. And this is a very funny, um, small world. I've just met Zoe. Um, her CEO, David Luck. Yep, I hired him out of Emory. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and I remember when he moved to the UK. Um, and around halfway through my two decades there, I had the good fortune of working with a senior living community. And like a lot of folks that have a brush with senior living, you fall in love with the people, you fall in love with the mission. Um, but I was quite simply appalled by the technology they were using. Um, and, you know, I just put it in the back of my mind. And then over yeah. the course of the next decade, I worked with a variety of other operators and kept finding the exact same thing and got to a point where it's like, well, are you going to do something about it or are you just going to keep lamenting it? Um, <clears throat> and so that just gave me the context that this was a real issue and it gave me the contacts that I could, I could reach out as I was exploring what to do. Yeah, you never know. Um, you never know what those uh, early life experiences are going to lead to, right? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. So, okay, what what are the folks that you would consult with, um, as well as the ones who are not using your system? Yeah. What are they doing? Is this just an Excel spreadsheet? How does it work? It it runs a gamut. So, okay. some folks are using nothing more than paper and pen. Okay, Excel would be the next step up. Right. Um, <laughs> there are a handful of systems that try to do every single function within a senior living operator, whether it's managing the menu to sending out the invoices to the clinical records, and they'll have a CRM that's stacked onto it. Typically, you pay nothing for it, and you get exactly what you're paying for. Yeah. Um, and on the kind of far end, you'll have a few folks that have gone so far as to have Salesforce and do a customized build of, of Salesforce, which is incredibly expensive to maintain and, and to understand how to operate. So we are going to all of them with Welcome Home and, and having them migrate, whether it's from you know something like a Salesforce yeah. to, to paper and pen. And so I okay obviously I get the pitch from paper and pen in Excel sure. to welcome home, right? Uh, what I'm curious about is why a company like a Salesforce can't customize this. And I'm going to I'm going to guess you can tell me if I'm right, but it sounds like one it's too expensive for what it is because of, because of course you have the uh, that 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 person is partially subsidizing all the other stuff at Salesforce that they focus on, um, and two, it's probably just too complicated for what they need. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Okay. That's what came screaming through when yeah. we were even thinking about building the CRM. Which is my power user is not necessarily a technologically adept individual who doesn't want to become technologically adept, and so the key was building a piece of software that was easy to use, but also simultaneously useful. And so 
we like to joke that ours is incredibly robust, but that's behind the scenes. Yeah. That when you log on, it looks like something that I imagine your kids <laughs> would know how to use. Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of popular phrases about gamification, but at the end of the day, it's make it user-friendly and make it useful and, um, and allow folks to kind of get on with their day with, without having to spend a lot of time getting up to speed on how to use a piece of software. This seems like one of those industries, and it's always interesting to me when I come across one of these, uh, that have not been truly uh, changed by technology yet. Because they seem to be coming you know, smaller and smaller, whether, it is tech, whether it's industry or function. And this seems to be one that there's probably a pretty big old green field of opportunity out there. We, we certainly hope so. And yeah. we launched the product three years ago and had three different pilots, and now we're into 1,500 different, different clients using it. Um, it's humbling, yeah. um, but it's also right. very gratifying because, as most operators would say, they are probably 10 to 15 years behind most <clears throat> other industries. Mm-hmm. And what percent, I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out how much of this is an enterprise sale, Mm-hmm. And how much of this is kind of a one-off, right? You know, like how, how, how are your people focusing? Is it geographic? Is it let's just go after the largest users? Um, how does that work? Yeah. Um, even as an operator has a single community, this is change. And change is hard. And the systems all have to talk to one another. So they're all enterprise sales. They all take months from initial inquiry to, to final conversion. Sure. Um, and so we focus on slightly larger operators. They don't have to have hundreds of communities. If they have five communities, that's kind of a target market for us. Um, and we have three salespeople, and we've divided up the nation based on geography as well as size. And so my head of sales is going after the larger, and then we have two executives that are going after the midsize and smaller yeah. based on where they are in the United States. What, what is the distribution of uh, co- industry concentration? Uh, it is very fragmented. I would imagine yeah, so. It yeah, it is. You know, the the provision of of senior living is a very local um, enterprise, and so you have most of the operators that will have somewhere between ten and twenty communities, and they'll be clustered geographically. Yeah. I think everyone probably gets a sense that there is a looming wave mm-hmm. of um, a very large number of elderly people in the United States. And I'm curious, from your bird's eye view of this industry, are there enough of these facilities that either exist or are being built to handle what is about to happen? Yeah, the silver tsunami. Yeah. Um, there aren't, right, is, is the short answer. Um, but it also, again, is very local. In Atlanta, we have enough to handle the wave. Yeah. But if you go across the United States, you will find enormous pockets where there is undersupply. I mean, I would imagine that this is, uh, you know, let's, let's take just healthcare in general, yeah. right? You have increasingly, you know, your major cities where, that are healthcare centers, and then you have the rural areas, again, whether it's in our state or in another, that are deserts. Yep. Um, and I'm going to guess that this isn't really in the top 30 metros that we're talking about that are issues. It's in those outlying areas that aren't growing or are shrinking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I'm from a place called Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown, Ohio needs more senior living yeah. communities. 
because <laughs> it's got plenty of seniors that uh, that need somewhere to go. How do you incentivize? Is it just that you know the the the, the big cities are the sexy places to do this, and no one's thinking about that lack of up well opportunity but lack of competition yeah i think that's what ends up happening that you have yeah. more and more data that you put in front of operators and developers and they'll start to realize that i just have to shift my focus 40 miles to the west sure <laughs> and i'm going to find places that have opportunity that someone else hasn't hasn't gone to because the, the kicker in the the larger cities where the operators and developers want to personally live and then they want to work where they live right. um is you build a beautiful community that suddenly gets full, then another operator and developer is going to open one right down the road. Uh, and you can get some of these smaller communities like Madison, Georgia, which is a lovely place. Mm-hmm. You build one, you're going to get all the volume there for years. Yeah. And there's really non, no math is going to tell you to build another one. Big fish, small pond. Exactly. Yeah. Um, are, clearly right now you are laser focused on this industry. Mm-hmm. When you look at this software which would seem to have applications for other um, sales processes that aren't fully technologified yet, right? I'm thinking, I don't know, lawn care, uh, cleaning services, et cetera, et cetera, right? Do you you look at that and it's this kind of shiny object on the horizon that you want to grab after? Or is it just, you know what, let someone else handle that? We are focused on being the absolute dominating force yeah. in senior living. Yeah. Um, 20 years of Bain beat it into me that you want to focus, right? Yeah. And as long as there's opportunity in your core business, you should go after that. Yeah. And so that's part of my answer. The other part is senior living operators have unique challenges and I want to dedicate all my time to them. Mm. And it resonates with them when you sit there and say, my entire company is focused on senior living and how to make you better. Yeah, And so that's what we're going to do until... We run out of, of uh, opportunity, which I don't see happening in the next couple of decades. Yeah. Are, are there any other uh, CRM companies out there that are solely focused on this vertical? There are two okay. that, uh, that are solely focused on it, and yeah. uh, we're chipping away. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, so wh- at what point did you... I imagine there was probably an overlap where you were at Bain and you were doing this. As no well. comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to be that like a, a gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I guess more what I meant was at what point, um, whether, you know, at what point did you make the full leap? Yeah. Were you mentally there to do it? Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, businesses are about collection of human beings and mm-hmm. and the collection of human beings that were the first few that, we're founding members of Welcome Home, looked at me and said, we're all in, are you all in? Um, and it was only fair to him to say yes. Yeah. It, it was time to, to cut the cord and, and, and leave big bad corporate yeah. and, uh, and be there for him. Um, and so, it, again, the pandemic helped. Right, because it forced me off the road, and so I was spending more time working in Welcome Home, and realized that this was the next chapter, and this is where I wanted to be. Yeah, that's. I think those sort of things become a demarcation line in the sand that yeah. divides time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and so, so you've you had roles 
in a large organization, you have roles in a small organization, right? Now you're running a small growing team. I mean, kind of similar question that you know Zoe and I talked about, but what do you take from what you learned about leadership, either from your consulting clients or from Bain itself? And what do you take from there and bring to this new opportunity, whether things that you have um, dedicated yourself not yeah. to do or that you want to implement as well? Yeah. Um, authenticity really matters. Right, so I feel like it is going to resonate with clients. It's going to resonate with recruits. It's going to resonate with team members to just speak from your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, having a mission-driven organization, which oftentimes I thought was just lip service, matters because um, it, it's a way to encapsulate what you're there for. Um, culture, Culture kills, right? Again, it's one of those things that before I was in the seat mm-hmm. thinking about growing, um, I didn't always believe. Um, or also I've just joined places that already had great culture. Um, and now that I have to build it, it, it is incredibly important. I had a, a client that refused to take the CEO title. He called himself chief culture officer. And I kind of rolled my eyes at it until... I was CEO and yeah. you get to a certain point and we're at 40 employees. It's not even like we're at hundreds of employees and real jobs. Someone else are, has been hired to do. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're not, you're not everything. <laughs> you're not everything. Yes. Um, and, and so it's like, all right, what exactly is my primary role here? And building and maintaining culture might not be number one, but it's in the top five. Well, I really do see it as um, you know, you're sort of like an orchestra conductor yes. up there, you know, kind of pointing people in the right direction, making sure that they're playing in sync. And yes, your day, certainly you're still executing, right? Sure. But like your days of deep within each function, just in, you know, by imperative, have to go out the window at a certain point. Yeah, that's dead on right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I'm, I'm also curious about, so you've, you look, obviously you've been with this company since the beginning up until 40 people, right? And the leadership needs when you're under 10 people are one thing. The leadership needs when you're 40 to 70 or another. And then of course, past 100 is very different. So what are you doing now that you didn't used to do? And what do you think you'll have to do in, you know, whatever, when you double, hopefully that you're not doing now? Um, defining and selling vision. Right, and even if it at times feels like Groundhog Day, um, is something that is core to what I'm doing all the time. Um, the other, at this stage of, of of our evolution and growth, is I'm constantly thinking about organization, constantly. Right in in the beginning, it was grab some team members, let's serve, and and let's just keep up. And now it's about let's be much more intentional. Let's think about every single person's development path. Um, within the company and 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 overall, right? Yeah. As uh, as leaders themselves, and thinking about how do we make this not just survive, uh, but but scale. Um, and so that's how I'm really thinking about it. Yeah, that's exciting. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta is a, is a backdrop to your company. Yeah. What are we good at? What do we need some work on? Um, what are we great at? Uh, you know, I do think that we are emerging to be very friendly towards startups and, and tech, right? It's, if, if I even think 
when a place like ATV started, it was a, a lone, you know, bastion, right? It was just sitting out there. Yeah. Um, and now it's, it's much more expected. Um, and so I think that, that there's something that's cool and hip and expected and, and respected that you're going to be in a startup world. I think that we're still affordable relative to everything else. And so while people certainly are taking a leap to come here versus go into management consulting or go to Home Depot, the, no one's living in poverty, even if they have to, to take the, the pay cut. So I think those are, are both great. Um, you know, where I think that we have room is probably much more on marketing, right? Marketing local companies for mm-hmm. both uh, employees to relocate, to come here, um, marketing so folks can seek outside capital. Again, we're getting slightly better, but, you know, startups are, are living off of, you know, people in capital. <laughs> That's, you uh, sort of didn't plan it like this, but, you know, really that is, that goal is the reason why kind of the three of us are sitting around this table right now. Um, big, and, and I do think that we've gotten much, much better at it, but at the end of the day, what you hear about most here are the Fortune 1000s. And not that those are not important and large employers and a large customer base for startups and small growing companies. Um, but yes, not enough people really know about the really interesting things that are happening beneath the surface that the two of y'all are doing um, as an example. And so that, I mean, that is absolutely the reason why this exists and why we broadcast this out. And I, I think it's a great service that you're doing for Atlanta and the two of us and the ones that came before and the ones that came after. Uh, didn't didn't uh, certainly didn't make the, the mean to make that uh, self-serving statement, but it's just I, I think it, it it reinforces the mission here. Yeah. So if you are a senior living operator or know someone adjacent to that community, welcomehomesoftware.com. Is that's, that that's yeah, exactly that's it. it. WelcomeHomeSoftware.com. And similarly, yes. you can find our job board there. We've gotten to this point with absolutely no marketing department, so I am actively building a marketing department. Um, we are looking for more enterprise uh, ex- account executives. We are looking for more customer success people. So we are hiring to, uh, to serve all of those clients. Excellent. Candidates and customers alike, capital on tap and welcome home, Shameless self-promotion. Zoe and John, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Joey. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Tech Talk. Have a great one.